The topics and opinions expressed in the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4CY Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4CY Radio, its employees, or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4CY Radio. Welcome to Leadership for Life with Gina Gardner on W4CY Radio and Talk 4 TV. Join your host, who is a multiple number one international best-selling author, motivational speaker, empowerment and transformational leadership coach and trainer. She's the founder of Genuinely Hyphen You and has 30 years experience of helping people step into their genuine, authentic power. And now, here is Gina Gardner, your host of Leadership for Life. Hello there, and welcome to this week's show. I've got a great show for you and an amazing guest. You know, when you watch the news day by day, it's easy to focus on the negative things that happen, that people being mean to another, the injustice, the whole, um, the whole side of the world which leaves you feeling pretty hopeless if you're not careful, certainly has an impact on your mood. But what if we could have a world that was fair and just, based on helping one another, kindness. What if we focused on the good in people? And it's my belief that the people are intrinsically good. What would it be like if communities came together as they had in the UK during the first lockdown where people supported one another and went out of their way to be friendly and helpful? But that was the norm. How would it be if the world was fairer, that there was no discrimination or bullying or unkindness? I know that might sound like a tall order, but if we all think, you know, that's just too much of a dream, then we're not going to take responsibility and we're not going to do our bit. It was interesting. I was part of a discussion last night about whose fault is it? Who's responsible for the state of the world? And, you know, when you listen to the news, everybody's pointing the finger and saying it's the politician's fault and it's it's that group of people because they don't do what I want them to do. And it's very easy to think about the responsibility being belonging to somebody out there when it's my belief that we are all responsible moment by moment for the choices that we make. And although we're not responsible for things in their entirety, we are responsible for our part. So effectively, we get the politicians that we choose. You know, did you go and vote? Who did you vote for? Why did you vote for them? We get the service that we demand. We allow things to go on when, if we chose differently, we can put pressure on the big companies who are behaving badly in terms of the environment by not buying their products. We can change things and you can change things moment by moment, individual by individual. But if we don't, if we always leave it to other people, then we're gonna get what other people decide for us. And so this whole show is about the choices that we make moment by moment. You know. 
if we think about the legacy that we are going to leave, and I'd like to divide legacy into two separate issues, really. The living legacy that we, we create moment by moment. Those of you who listen to the show will know I talk a lot about living legacy. Every word you speak, every action you take or not, leaves a living legacy. So when you're critical, judgmental of people, when you put people down, your legacy in that moment is that you're making somebody else feel bad. And there are ways of giving feedback which says that what you're doing is not right or good enough, but to do it in a developmental way which leaves people feeling empowered then they want to do things differently rather than leaving people cowed. You know, in America, you have cheerleaders. It's not our thing in the in the, in the, uh, the United Kingdom. But everybody is aware of the concept of having a cheerleader, somebody who stands up and says, I believe in you. I think you can do it. I was reading a, a post on LinkedIn this morning, and it was of a coach who was working with young people. And she described a young man who had not had a great start in life. He'd been in care which in itself is a whole discussion topic, a bit of a misnomer, because so often youngsters don't feel cared for when they are institutionally in care. And he'd not done well at school, but he had a dream, and his dream was that he wanted to become a film producer. And the coach was working with him, giving him the tools so that he could see for himself that if he had the right mindset, if he took the right actions, that his dream of being a film producer was not silly. It was entirely possible. But there was no point in him just saying, I wish I could, but it's not going to work for me. I can't do it. Nobody will take me seriously. What she was helping him to do was to recognise that his actions, moment by moment, were creating his legacy. And his legacy was going to be a much more positive one if he took responsibility and he started to study and he started to take his dream seriously. So we have the legacy in the moment. But ultimately, we also have the legacy that we are going to leave long after we leave this earth. And if anybody was watching um, on Sunday, they had a, a program called Earthshot. And it's where Prince William is, is donating, um, I think it's five million pounds a year to five projects around the world that are going to make the difference in terms of our environment. What legacy are we leaving our children and our grandchildren and our great grandchildren in terms of the state of the world, in terms of the state of our society? And it's no good leaving that to everybody else. So every time you take your litter home or you recycle or you don't buy palm oil um, from um, unsustainable um, uh, sources, you are creating a legacy which may or may not be the, the one that you want to create. Ultimately, taking responsibility for our choices moment by moment means that we can make a difference. We can make a profound difference, not only to ourselves, but to others around us and to our environment. You know, my guest, Benjamin Jury, and I feel very privileged to have him within my circle. He's known as the culture guy. And, you know, after the break, when I introduce him, he's got the most amazing CV. 
Here's someone who is truly engaged with life and it wants to make a sustained difference. But you know, we can all do that in our own way. We can do it on the big stage, but we can also do it moment by moment within our own lives, within our homes, within our environment. And I'm urging you to do that. One of the ways that we're um, working on leaving a legacy is through B1G1. So if you leave a comment either in the live show or to one of the recordings, we will donate a meal or some education or some clean water or we'll plant trees. Let us know which one you want to do. But please engage. Every time you there is a download or a live listener, we donate meals. We are using B1G1, buy one, give one, as part of our route to leave a living positive legacy. So we're going to go into the break in a moment. I want you to really think about what sort of legacy are you leaving? What would be on your epitaph? You know, the epitaph I would like to, to have is she made a positive difference and I would like to make a positive difference to many and I'd like your help to do that. But everything starts with you. Everything in your world starts with you and how you make your decisions moment by moment whether you're in your personal life or your professional life make a difference so how are you going to look back at your life when you get to the pearly gates and you're looking back over your life what is it you want to be remembered for and I would suggest to you it's not how big a car you've got or how big a salary you have or but what sort of person are you? I find it really interesting that we're called human beings when I think most of us, myself included, should be called human doings. And I think we neglect so often how we are being with ourselves and others. And though those choices, those decisions made moment by moment may seem inconsequential, but they gather up rather like the frames on a film you know, each individual still frame is has no life to it. But when you put it frame by frame and you put it through the projector, it then becomes a living, breathing, moving entity. And our lives are rather like that. We're not just a series of stills. We are people who create vibrationally the energy behind what we do. And that can be a force for good. It could be neutral or it can be a force for, um, for the opposite of good, a force for bad. And it's time that we don't allow not thinking to be our excuse. Shows like this are designed to help everybody recognize their part, how they can pay. And I don't wanna preach. This isn't about preaching, you should do this and you shouldn't do that. It has to come from within. But do you want to leave a legacy of a world that's vibrant and full of the most amazing creatures and it's safe? Or do you want to leave a legacy where our children, our grandchildren are facing the most dire situations in terms of the environment? That's just one example. But moment by moment, I want you to think about what choices are you making and how can you in your in, initially in a small way, how can you make a difference? And after the break, I am going to introduce you to an amazing guy 
Benjamin Drury, the culture guy. And we're going to carry on the conversation and we're going to broaden it out. So don't go away. I'll see you in a minute. You have been listening to Gina Gardner on Leadership for Life. We'll be back after this quick break. Want to get the best out of life personally and professionally? Are you ready to step into a life which excites and fulfills you? Well, the right place for you is Leadership for Life with Gina Gardner on W4CY Radio and Talk 4 TV. We will share with you stories from inspiring people, a wide range of guest experts, and lots of practical strategies to help you get the very best out of your personal and professional life. Leadership for Life is a radio and TV show focused on helping you live a happier, more successful, and fulfilling life. Join international best-selling author, motivational speaker, empowerment and transformational leadership coach and trainer, Gina Gardner, live every Thursday, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on W4CY Radio and Talk 4 TV. Become the leader of your own life. Gina Gardner's number one international best-selling book, Thriving Not Surviving, The Five Secret Pathways to Happiness, Success, and Fulfillment, provides you with the foundational principles on which to become the best leader of your own life. It's available as an ebook, paperback, hardback, and as an audio from genuinely-you.com or also from Amazon. Every one of the principles have been proven to work for the countless people who have used them, including the author. Now, let's put them to work for you. If you're ready to discover your true leadership life design, accelerate your journey with an invitation to join Gina for Leadership for Life VIP Day. Choose your journey of self-discovery where Gina will help you navigate your way to happiness, success, and fulfillment. To find out more, email gina at genuinely-u.com. Welcome back to Leadership for Life. Here is your host, Gina Gardner. Hello there. I have a guest who's got so many interesting things in his CV that I think he's going to be back on this show. So let me read it to you. Benjamin Jury, the culture guy, is responsible for English fans singing Swing Low at rugby matches, and that's a great institution. He's been on Dragon's Den with his invention, Lace Pups. He's toured, writing, directing, and performing with theatre companies, and he's worked with some of the biggest companies on the planet. Benjamin makes workplaces awesome. He works with extraordinary forward-thinking leaders to help build authentic, purpose-led, people-centered organizations fit for the 22nd century. He is someone who is fully embracing leaving a living legacy and a long-term legacy that's going to make a powerful difference. And I'm very privileged to have him on the show. So without more ado, Benjamin Drury. Hey, Gina, how are you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. And how are you? I'm all right, thank you. Very good. I've got to ask you, how comes you're responsible for swing low <laughs> at rugby matches? <laughs> I, I put it down there because it's a talking point, but it, it wasn't. Just, it wasn't just me. Um, okay. If you, if you look it up online, it, it talks about a, a bunch of schoolboys. There was a there's a rugby match. I think it was against Ireland back in 1988, and there was a bunch of schoolboys that started singing it, and it caught on 
in the crowd. Oh, okay. And I was one of those schoolboys. And I remember coming down from school on the bus with our with our first 15 coach. And he was teaching us the words. And we started singing it in the stadium just because we were singing it in the stadium. Yeah. And it was it, I didn't realise at the time. It was about 15, 20 years later where, where we were looking up um, why we sang it. And I, it suddenly... I suddenly stumbled upon this article and realised that actually I was one of the schoolboys <laughs> that was responsible. So yeah, it's it's a fascinating story. It is amazing, and isn't it interesting how so often something that appears to be quite inconsequential at the time yeah. turns out to have such um, a significance later on. Yeah, absolutely. And we didn't know what we were doing. We were just singing a song yeah. that we'd been taught on the bus. Yeah. Seemed like a great idea. And uh, yeah, where it's kind of run and run and run. And uh, you know, I've sung it many, many times in the stadium since without realising I was part of the history of it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's fascinating that those little things that you think just a bit of fun or just a good idea yeah. can snowball. I mean, one of the things that strikes me is I'm not uh, I'm not a rugby fan, but but my um, my brother-in-law is a great rugby fan. So and they've been living with me for six months while they renovate their house. And so I've watched quite a lot of rugby in the meantime because it's been on the telly. And what strikes me is when you start, they start to sing that there is the collective power of mm. voice and everybody singing the same thing. And in a sense, that's what culture is, isn't it? That people are singing from the same hymn sheet, that they have the same values, that they are collectively working towards the same goal. Absolutely. <clears throat> and it's culture for, for business leaders is about defining the playing field. I'm actually a rugby coach myself, so I coach um, under 18s girls. And I use this analogy quite a lot. Yeah. But building the culture is about letting them understand the rules of the game. They understand the game plan. But when they're on the field... They're making yeah. their own decisions. It's not about yeah. me stepping in and making every decision for them and shouting no, no. what to do next. They have to be able to make those decisions themselves. Yeah. And when we get the culture right, when we get the game plan right, they're able to execute in, in ways that I never thought were possible. You know, I yes. could have taught them how to do stuff, but the stuff they produce yeah. is sensational on the pitch. Yeah. And when we do that in our organizations, when we set the culture and let it run, we see yeah. some amazing things happen, innovation and... Um, amazing ways of doing business and yeah. new products and it's fascinating to see when we get the culture right and you know my work in terms of, of enlightened profitable leadership it, that's at the very heart of it mm. is that you have a people who have a, a who are engaged in the vision of whatever that the, the organization is trying to um to reach but that you are giving them the tools, but they have the independence to use their creativity, their enthusiasms and so on. And collectively yeah, are so much stronger than they would be if your one person's got to be the fount of all knowledge. Um, so it's interesting, isn't it? We're coming at it from different uh, a different angle, but it's so much the same stuff. Yeah, and that's, you know, that is leadership, is giving them the, yeah. giving them the playing field and then the encouragement. And like you said before, the cheerleading to yeah. go out and do something you never even thought was possible because, you know, you've hired them for their brilliance. So cut them loose. Yeah. There are so many things we could talk about and spend the whole program talking about. But what I taught, uh, I set up in, in the, um, the, the, the show schedule was, you know, exploring what are the most important questions that we need to be asking at this moment in time. 
and that's a huge topic but i'd love to know what your view is of what you see as fundamentally the core things that we need to be asking about and challenging i think <clears throat> one of the biggest issues we've got right now and this is this is global this is not just western society or britain yeah. or america is this this difference between um i guess the rich and the poor but it's more of them and us yeah. and actually I think, you know, the media and some big media companies make a lot of money on polarizing opinion yeah, and making things black and white. And we somehow need to be able to have more gray conversations, gray in the in the kind of mixed up sense rather than in the really boring sense of gray. Yeah. <laughs> but we need to be able to have those conversations where perhaps I could offend you because I'm uneducated, but we need to have that conversation so I can be educated and we can grow. One of the biggest issues I see at the moment is we're unable to have those conversations. If I say something that's offensive, I get shut down as opposed to somebody saying, whoa, that's offensive. And I can go, I'm really sorry. Can you educate me? Can we have a conversation? Can we have a dialogue so I can learn and get better and not do it again? And I think we need to somehow come to some way of having those conversations and perhaps being a little bit offended, but being able to be offended with grace. And be offended with compassion it's a really interesting concept and i couldn't agree with you more but that being having almost a neutral place in the middle where um, things can be explored from the point of view i'm curious i want to find out i might not still agree with you but in this neutral place can we explore our differences and see if we can find a way forward but at least i'm going to listen with respect and with an openness and yeah. that seems to be missing in so many places doesn't it and i think unfortunately some people make a lot of money on keeping yeah. it missing and polarizing views and I, I i'm not entirely sure what the solution is but it's certainly something we need to address i think for me it almost goes back to what i was saying before the break is we may not be able to do it on the macro level but actually you can do it moment by moment with the people that you know and the people you come across and you know being prepared to be open to listening because very many people don't actually listen they're they're formulating their argument rather than truly listening to what's going on yeah that is so true and i was talking to somebody today and they were talking about you know actually for example you know transphobia is unacceptable and that level of hatred is unacceptable. But we need to be able to go, that's unacceptable, but let's have a conversation and a dialogue. It's not unacceptable to talk about it and have a disagreement yeah. and educate. And we yeah. need that space. I'm not saying it's acceptable to talk like that or behave like that or hold those views. Yeah. But unless I've got a space to express them and have a dialogue, I'm never going to change those views. No. Isn't it interesting how... I, I was talking to somebody the other day and was trying to work out how we seem to be actually more polarized to me than we were 20 years ago. And I'm showing my age perhaps. Um, <laughs> and then maybe it's just that I'm more aware of it. I wonder what your view is, is in terms of, are we actually experiencing greater polarization? In, I'm talking about views now rather than people's um, uh, financial or, or, or societal mm -hmm. position, but just in terms of the way in which people um, speak to one another and um, 
engage with even attempting to understand somebody else's point of view? And it's a great question. And I think we are conditioned to think that, but I wonder the same as you, whether it is the case. I wonder whether there's two things going on. One, we're in our own echo chamber because the algorithms that drive yeah. what we see is teaching us, is, you know, is funneling us down a route. And yeah. so that has, that has an impact on us seeing things in a polarized way. But I also think those that shout the loudest and those that shout with the most vehemency and those that hold the most, the strongest views are the ones that get news because that's what people want to watch. They want to watch car crash. They don't want to watch yeah. polite debate. And that, unfortunately, I think, makes us seem that we're being more polarised because that's what we're seeing. Yeah. And that's what, we're, that's what we're getting through the media. And that's what's, that's what's driving our... That's what's visible to us all the time. Yeah. I think that's a really good point in the fact that, that the algorithms tend to see what you're doing and then attract other things into Facebook or LinkedIn or mm. TikTok or any of those things. So you're always getting to see like with like, aren't you? Yeah, um, absolutely. It, it, you know, it's when I think back to, I was a head teacher for those of you in the States, a principal of a school for 20 years. And, you know, it was in quite a racist area. But what was interesting is that the children didn't see color at all. They just saw their mate. Yeah. And it wasn't until the adults got involved that suddenly it was, well, they're not like you, they're they're different. Um, and I think it's quite interesting how we seem to introduce that polarization quite early on in the way in which we bring children up. And yeah. that polarization and that conditioning often becomes ancestral so it's reinforced generation after generation after generation so bearing in mind that you work with companies and you go in uh, into businesses you must come into business go into business where initially the culture is very fragmented and dysfunctional how do you help them move from that place to it being an awesome place to work where people are, are singing from the same hymn sheet yeah, that's a. It, it, I take them through a process very simply, but often I'm going into organisations that have grown organically, and what you'll find is somebody will have started a business to solve a problem, but then they've come along and go, right, how do I do finance? Okay, these people over here have done finance. I'm going to take it off the shelf and I'm going to use that system. I had to do market. Well, these people over here have got a marketing system. I'm going to plug it in. Yeah. Oh, and these people over here, they've got HR. I'm going to plug that in. And what you find is you get this organisation that's just kind of got bits bolted on. Yeah. And what they haven't done is gone, these are my values. What does that mean for how I do my finance? These are my values. What does that mean for how I do my HR? Yeah. And the people over here whose system I'm borrowing, they don't share my values. So the system's not going to fit. And what you find is organizations have just organically grown up and they've, they've taken on a life of their own and they've, they've kind of coalesced to the standard yeah. way of doing business. And I think if we're going to change, and the work that I do with um, business leaders is to say, well, what's the heart of this? Why are we doing this? Yeah. And what values are we holding? You know, are we about compassion and service? Or are yeah. we about um, margin and, and sales? Or, and don't get me wrong, you know, business needs, need money. Without money, you haven't yeah. got a business, you've got a hobby. No. But it, it shouldn't be the reason for existence. It should be a byproduct of the problem we're solving in a really good way and adding value to people. 
And my job often is to help those leaders articulate what that is yeah. in a way that reminds them why they started in a way that other people read it and they go, oh, that's brilliant. How can I get involved? How can I, how can I help? How can I, how can I be part of what you're building? Yeah. And then we take that and we look at all those systems that they've plugged in and go, well, does it reflect? How do we need to change this? How do we need yeah. to reinforce the values and the purpose? And that's to me is like the future, you know, 20, 100 years from now in the 22nd century, it will be businesses that are going to save the world. And in my book, and I'm a, I'm a, I'm a capitalist in the fact that I believe businesses are, are the answer to our problems because they're sustainable. Yeah. And they, you know, they get they get paid to add the value and solve the problems, and that is the way forward. But we have to take the greed out of it. We have to take their focus on money out of it. We have to take Milton Friedman's shareholder value above everything else. Yeah. Well, now hold on a minute. Let's solve a problem. Let's do it in a right way. Let's have zero negative impact in our supply chain, and out of that, we'll make a tidy profit. And I'm okay with that. Yeah. But let's do it for the right reasons. I absolutely agree. And for me, you know, if you have a holistic way of, of looking at business, if you value your people, whether those are your your team or whether your clients or your uh, your uh, suppliers, the community around you, the profits actually come as a byproduct of that yeah. rather than the other way around. Absolutely. I suppose the only challenge that I have is you're talking about preparing for the 22nd century. Um, that's quite a way away. Eight, we've got another 79 years. And for, for me, I suppose, yes, we want something that will be sustainable in the 22nd century, but we need it now and we need it big time. Absolutely. The reason I talk about the 22nd century is because if I talk to you about five years ahead. I, I, understand, <laughs> I absolutely understand the, the principle. But, you know, so, you know, here we are. The two of us have got very similar values. We've, we've got sounds like very similar approaches. How do you think we can get the the people who have the capacity to make these changes on a on a, a bigger scale? How do we get them to listen? Um, I think there are there are two things that I'm trying to do, and I'm, I, I guess in ten years' time we'll know whether this works or not. But these, <laughs> these are the things that I'm doing. One is to find those people that are already on this path and cheerlead them, give yep. them a voice, give them a platform, show other people that these guys are doing it right. And look, they're building businesses. They've got they've got great employees. They've got zero staff turnover. They're growing fast, but they're doing it right. To yep. champion those people and give them a platform. Um, through all sorts of means. And the other way is to find those entrepreneurs that have got ideas, but are looking at it going, but that's never going to work in the current business climate. I've got a great idea, but, I, yeah. you know, and they've had all the negativity. And I want to get alongside those entrepreneurs and go, come on, let's change the world together. Let's, ch yeah. let's, let's get you started. What do you need? How can we help? Let's not look at business as usual. You've got yeah. something here. So actually those two kind of ways of doing it, finding the people that are already there and giving them a voice and, and showing them to the world and then trying to support and dig out those entrepreneurs that have got ideas that are a little timid perhaps because yeah. of the voice, the way business has already been done. Sounds really great to me. I know that last month that you had um, a legacy challenge. Would you like to explain what that is to people? Cause it seems really uh, a fantastic thing to do. Yeah, absolutely. And we're kicking off another one in November. Um, so we've got another one coming up in the next couple of weeks. But essentially, the Legacy Impact Challenge is, is five days where you spend 20 minutes a day. And I'll go through a, a really simple process. And it is about gathering those people that have got an idea 
but entrepreneurs think, actually, can we not do business this way? Or can we not solve this problem? But perhaps they're a little timid. And giving them the tools and the infrastructure and the, and the systems to be able to go, what am I trying to solve? How am I going to solve it? Let's test that idea. Let's design an MVP. Let's put an action plan together. And in the space of a week, we go through that whole process. And we gather a lot of those people and they support each other and they solve each other's problems and they mastermind some of the ideas and they help each other come up with ways to solve the problem they see. And so one of, one of the people in the last, um, the last challenge was looking at, there's a big issue in the hospitality industry at the moment, particularly in the UK. We haven't got the staff. People aren't, it's, it's not necessarily a, an exciting place to work. No. And he's trying to solve that problem by saying, actually, no. The hospitality industry is about making memories. It's about bringing joy and reframing okay. it and trying to create a place where people are actually going to want to work. People are going to yeah. want to turn up because they're, they're, they're giving life moments to people that they'll yeah. remember forever. They're creating memories for families or, or, for, or for couples or for, you know, for, for, for teams that come together and yeah. celebrate. You know, all that kind of, they're creating memories. And that's a completely different way to look at it. You're going to work, wait on tables for drunk people. <laughs> and they're, they're working really hard on solving that problem. And that was yeah. one of the things we put together during the week. It's a really important thing. For me, that goes back to the, the having an absolute clarity about what's your why. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I was talking to somebody a couple of weeks ago about the, the problem again in the UK that we haven't got enough uh, lorry drivers. Exactly. Um, and how you know one company was saying you know we've got this job and it's this much an hour and it's so many hours a week where another company would put forward you know come be part of the lifeblood of this country where you are really servicing exactly. everybody's needs and they they've just got such a different energy haven't they and you know which one uh, you'd want to go come and join our team we'll look after you we'll grow your expertise and experience and together we can really make a difference and Absolutely. I think that's such a strong thing. So if people wanted to be part of your November group, um, is it full already or can people sign up? No, there's, <coughs> excuse me, there's a few spaces left. If you get onto the website at thecultureguide.co.uk, right on the front page, it says rise to the challenge. And if you click on that button, there's an application form there. Okay, that's brilliant. So what's the dream for you? If I could wave a magic wand and in five, 10 years time, you had achieved what you set out to do, what would it be? For me, I would love to see everybody in the UK or everybody globally, but you know, I'm focused on the UK. Everybody in the UK go to work happy and excited about what they did, doing a job they love and they come home at the end of the day kind of fulfilled, feeling like they'd put their shoulder to the plow and done something worthwhile. And if you imagine that, not only would that impact businesses, the entire mood of the nation would change. It the, certainly the tax would. Bill would go up, the health bill would go down, parenting would change, you know, marriages would, would be transformed. The, the, the nation would be a different place. It's interesting, isn't it? Because over half the um, prescriptions that are given out in the UK are for antidepressants. Wow, and when people it's over it's over half and if you look at why people are taking antidepressants whilst work is not the only reason it's a very significant part of that problem for many many people and it just strikes me that when you are um you when you are engaged in something where you believe in it that not only in, improves your um 
your mental and emotional state, but actually you're then living your spiritual journey fully. And dis-ease disappears because you are fulfilled. Absolutely. And not only that, those people are easier to manage. They take less time, they take less sick days, and your company makes more money. So even if you're a diehard capitalist, why are they still taking antidepressants? Well, probably the capitalists themselves are taking antidepressants yep. <laughs> because true. they're trying to do it all. <laughs> and it just strikes me that that what we're talking about, it makes it makes sense at every level. Yeah. And yet people, you'd think that they would be grabbing it by the throat in order to 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 make this a reality. And yet there's a resistance to it. I I'm think, just interested in exploring with you. What do you think that resistance is all about? I think certainly in the UK, we have a habit of distrusting everybody. So there is a there is a mentality. Well, if I if I give them unlimited holidays or I treat them like that, they're just going to take the mick and they're never going to come into work. And I'm not going to. And actually, the, the absolute opposite is true. When people have purpose, they want to come to work. I'll give you a quick example. Worked with a, a company in London and they had problems um, as a recruitment company. And they had problems with the staff that when the when the two founders went out of the office to do business developments, so they sometimes flew to Europe and America to grow the company. Everything got a bit lax in the office. And they said, well, how are we going to do this? How are we going to fix this problem and control it so they're motivated even when we're away? Yeah. And we introduced unlimited holidays and we introduced fully flexible working. And the guys were like, well, hold on a minute. That's completely the opposite of what we've just asked you to do. I said, look, try it for a month. Give it a give it a, um, a pilot. And we'll see what happens. Yeah. And after three months, they came back to me with the numbers. Best six months revenue they'd ever had in the in the six year best three months revenue in the six yeah. year company the six year history of the company. Productivity had gone up forty percent. Staff turnover had gone down to zero. And here's the kicker: the amount of holiday taken in the first three months of the year was exactly the same as the amount of holiday taken in the previous year in the same time. So productivity um, had gone up, yeah. revenue had gone yeah. up. It cost the company nothing. nothing. Isn't it interesting? I, I get. I, I was talking to someone, and their solution was that they decided they were a manufacturing company, um, and so they decided to do a four-day week, four long days. Mm-hmm. But they closed the factory on a Friday, um, and although it took them a little longer to get all of the machines going on a Monday, they found that you know absenteeism was almost zero that they yep. that people were happier that the the whole way in which the company worked was different and i think you know these creative solutions where people can have a life i mean one of the things that really concerns me is you know people aren't able to recharge their batteries that they're working long hours and that 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 differentiation that used to be there because the only telephone you had was on a whirly wire out of the wall <laughs> and there was no internet. You know, people went home and they had home time, but yeah. now they're emailed and they're phoned and texted and so on uh, 24-7. And yeah. I think we've got to use technology, but use it in a way that supports rather than um, just takes over. But yeah. I mean, I think your example is an amazing one and it just shows that when you engage people and you trust them, they rise to the occasion. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there's always going to be a percentage, a 2% of people that are going to, it's not going to work for. But what we've got to stop doing is legislating for those 2% to 
because that just really annoys the 98% that are actually yeah. want to do a good job. Yeah. I don't think there are many people at all. You talk about 2%, but for the most no, part... I've cut that figure out of the air. It's I, not yeah, a, but it's I think people... Figure. Most people want to feel satisfied by what they're doing. They want yeah. to feel that they can that they can be proud of what they do. And I think we have to believe in them and give them that opportunity. Definitely. Now, every show I ask um, our guests to choose uh, one of the projects from B1G1 and we, we donate on their behalf. And part of that is about the principle of, of giving being part of what you do. And we encourage our um, guests by doing that and also our listeners to get involved. Um, so you've chosen a particular project out of the November three, uh, the October three choices. Which one have you chosen? Um, the education for the for the Dalit girls. They're, they're a lower caste in India and they, they don't necessarily get education. But actually, education is what brings us, makes us all better. When other people are educated, yeah. the community around us grows and gets better. So for me, it's just that's the heart of everything, education. And so, thank you. We'll be donating, um, you know, uh, lots of days of education for for that group, and it's an amazing project. So, thank you very much. Now, in the last two or three minutes we've got together, um, so is there anything that you'd like to say to our audience in terms of of what you stand for and what what you'd like people to do? Um, for me, I think I would love businesses to start looking further forward. You know, when we look five years in the future, we're still constrained by current thinking. When we look 50 years in the future, we throw off the shackles and we start to think, well, what can we build? And I would yeah. love to see business owners start to think differently and build something that actually restores some of the things that perhaps we've damaged in the last 50 yeah. years of industry. A quick example, the, the Runa Tea Company, they make energy drinks from a, from a leaf like, um, like a tea leaf, but it's grown under the canopy of the rainforest. So their business model actively has to plant rainforest to get their product. Yeah. So I would love for more businesses to start thinking that way and think, well, how do we actively restore some of this as part of the business model? You know, and the other thing that strikes me is that when you get people together and you actually engage them in looking for solutions rather yeah. than focusing on the problem, you find amazing uh, resources become available and, and and different solutions that you wouldn't have thought possible if you were just looking at it by yourself. Absolutely. So thank you so much for being my guest. It's been an absolute joy. Um, once again, where can people sign up for the Legacy um, Project next month? And when does uh, it start? If you go to the website at thecultureguy.co.uk, there on the front page is a big button that says rise to the challenge and you can sign up there thank you very much indeed so Thanks, thank Gina. you don't go away we haven't quite finished please come back after the break but again ben thanks very much indeed you have been listening to gina gardner on leadership for life we'll be back after this quick break want to get the best out of life personally and professionally are you ready to step into a life which excites and fulfills you? Well, the right place for you is Leadership for Life with Gina Gardner on W4CY Radio and Talk4TV. We will share with you stories from inspiring people, a wide range of guest experts, and lots of practical strategies to help you get the very best out of your personal 
and professional life. Leadership for Life is a radio and TV show focused on helping you live a happier, more successful, and fulfilling life. Join international best-selling author, motivational speaker, empowerment and transformational leadership coach and trainer, Gina Gardner, live every Thursday, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on W4CY Radio and Talk 4 TV. Become the leader of your own life. Gina Gardner's number one international best-selling book, Thriving Not Surviving, The Five Secret Pathways to Happiness, Success, and Fulfillment, provides you with the foundational principles on which to become the best leader of your own life. It's available as an ebook, paperback, hardback, and as an audio from genuinely-u.com or also from Amazon. Every one of the principles have been proven to work for the countless people who have used them, including the author. Now, let's put them to work for you. If you're ready to discover your true leadership life design, accelerate your journey with an invitation to join Gina for Leadership for Life VIP Day. Choose your journey of self-discovery where Gina will help you navigate your way to happiness, success, and fulfillment. To find out more, email gina at genuinely-u.com. Welcome back to Leadership for Life. Here is your host, Gina Gardner. Hello there. We've just got a very few minutes left and I wanted to spend that time talking to you about how you can make a difference in your own life. With Benjamin, we were talking about in the business context. But, you know, if you're part of a family or part of a friendship group, moment by moment, you can make a difference. And that's about how you turn up. And it can be as simple as truly listening to someone, being that person who will hold the space and just listen rather than being so fully active in terms of trying to get your bit in first. How uh, random acts of kindness to other people or to yourself can make a difference. You know, you can make a difference moment by moment by the very way in which you show up, by how you treat the environment, how you treat other people. But perhaps the most important is how you treat yourself whether you beat yourself up, whether you have holding on to old baggage, the beliefs that you hold about yourself, whether they're limiting you or whether they are empowering you, whether you are uh, held back by fear because you don't want to fail. I was talking to a client, uh, a, a new client yesterday, and their whole, whole being is about, I don't want to move because I might get it wrong rather than you can't fail unless you fail to learn from the experience or you fail to give it a go to, to start with. We talk a lot on this show about you being the common denominator in your life. You know, are you going to live your life fully or are you going to live a half-life? Benjamin talked about, you know, we need more grey. Well, we do in terms of a tabby cat grey being a mixture of greys rather than being polarized to black or white. But if we used gray in a different context, you know, don't live a half-life. Life is not a spectator sport. We were talking about rugby and Benjamin being on the sidelines of that rugby match and singing the song Swing Low. But you get a very different experience when you're actually on the pitch. And life 
is the living. I was talking to my mentor, Ali Nicole, earlier today. We were talking about, you know, what would your, how would you live your life if you thought you were going to live forever? How would you live your life if you thought, I've got 30 days? What are the things that I would want to do? And I'm supporting someone who has been, um, got cancer back for the third time. You know, and it's, are you going to live your life intentionally or are you going to focus on the fact that you might die? And ultimately, we're all going to die at some point. But how are you going to live your life? Are you going to make the most of every day? My brother at the age of 49 went out on a cycle race and didn't come back. He suddenly dropped dead at the age of 49. And the lesson I took from that was you have to live your life fully. So being the leader of your own life means being intentional about the way in which you live your life. And I would suggest you, you know, make the most of it and make sure that you leave a living legacy. But whatever you do, be the leader in your own life. And I look forward to seeing you next week. Bye-bye now. You have been listening to The Leadership for Life with your host, Gina Gardner. Make sure you tune in to W4CY Radio and Talk 4 TV next Thursday and every Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time for more Leadership for Life. If you missed any part of this episode or just want to hear or see it again, you can find the archive of the TV show on Talk 4 TV's YouTube channel and the podcast of The Leadership for Life on iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify, Amazon Music, and wherever you listen to your podcast.